0: Welcome to our Beyond the Scalpel podcast. For this week's conversation, we have the great pleasure of having uh, Pierre Louis Delapom from Biologic Recherche in Paris joining us. This is our first transatlantic conversation, and it was uh, a great pleasure to discuss Biologic Recherche, how the company has developed, and how the international aesthetic market uh, is unique. So enjoy this conversation. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to have him on again in the future. Hi, Pierre, are you there? Can you hear um, us? I'm
1: confined in France, yeah. but apart from that, uh, Everything is uh, under control, at least I hope.
0: This podcast is a little bit different than things that we've seen in the past. We're um, inviting in people who are uh, outstanding in the aesthetics industry and really getting a chance to talk about uh, what your story is and uh, how you got to where where you are and uh, what you see in the aesthetic industry. So it's a really casual discussion and we'll just kind of hopefully have a great chat if that's okay.
1: Okay, that's fine. Cool. I love it.
0: Yeah. So um, I, I love uh, Biologique Recherche. It's a fantastic company um, and I think it's got a great backstory. Uh, this started with a family. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's uh, the two founders, uh, Josette and, um, and Yvonne Alouche, they were a couple. So it was a real family business and, and uh, she was more about the treatments and it was more on the products. So it was really the yin and the yang. Uh, so together they created a methodology, the skincare methodology, um, which was based on a simple observation as always with great ideas. It starts with very simple ideas, uh, which is the skin is not only really different from one person to another person, but it's changing all the time. So, they were really obsessed with personalization and they invented the concept of the skin instant, which is uh, your skin today. And maybe if you come back to us in two weeks' time, it will be very different. Uh, so, they wanted to adapt the methodology to whatever the skin uh, needs and evolution. Uh, now, everybody is talking about personalization, so it's not new anymore. The thing that they created that more than 45 years ago. So they were really visionary. And uh, they were, and we were lucky enough to have time to build this innovation, research uh, on that very simple concepts, but very complicated as well of uh, personalization for skin So yeah. that's the story of The Farmers.
0: Yeah, you know, I, 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 I like the story because um, it seems like these days uh, everyone's dream is to start a skincare company. <laughs> you know, in, in this, well, in this industry, uh, it seems like the natural extension to a lot of people who are in the industry and feel like, well, let's let's just start our own skincare line. And here's a here's a couple who, what was it, forty years ago, had uh, had this thought before um, really the industry had taken off, I guess. Um, what do you think made them really uh, want to do that? And what do you think was there made them unique in, in being able to establish such a good company early on?
1: Yeah, for, for, first of all, if you take a little step back, that was just after the Second World War. So the economy was really booming. Uh, middle class was developing everywhere. So you had a lot of entrepreneurs in, in the, the beauty industry. Uh, Clarence uh, uh, was the same generation, uh, Yves Rocher, in the US, you also had uh, a lot of creation. So that was a period of, of, of creation, uh, development, uh, the economy was, was really good. So they were not the only one. Um, what, what I think um, is, is a common point with all those people, And uh, of course, I know more the French creators than the US one is that they had passion. Okay. Of course, they they wanted to develop their business, but uh, a lot of creation today are kind of money driven. Uh, Not all of them, of course, but uh, at that time, they really had a vision, a passion. And this is what made them successful because they really worked their passion uh, to the extreme. that, that, was, that was what made all those brands, uh, big brands and successful brands. Everyone in, in its own positioning and, and, and story. Uh, Josette was a physiotherapist, so that was her kind of uh, uh, expertise and passion by training. And Ivan uh, Alouche was more a biologist, so he was more into skin, into products. So that was their kind of uh, academic background, which explained why they, they developed uh, that. And they started with, with patients in the kind of medical uh, environment. Uh, now, again, at that time, the, the, the separation between beauty and medical was not as regulated as it is uh, today. So they were very much in, in contact uh, with the medical um, world uh, and experts. And this is why they always started with the skin and, and we still do today uh, before uh, searching, you know, the last uh, magic bullet in terms of ingredients. And that was really how it all started, understanding the skin and, and developing a methodology that was uh, making the skin better uh, for a longer time. So that was the, the, the origin of their, of their expertise and the son of the founders uh, Philippe Alouche, is a, is a medical doctor, he's head of research, so there is a kind of, you know, family tradition that is continuing.
0: And and Ivan was a chemist, is that right?
1: Yeah, biology is chemist, so yeah. uh, his, his, uh, his academic background was biology, and uh, then he was, yes, the, work, the person who was developing the, the products, uh, creating the products.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine. I imagine this scenario that she'd come home and tell him what worked, and then he'd go to the lab and and work on something. Is that how it would? Is that how it was?
1: I th- I think that the, the, the and, and this is why we are we are a pure professional brand. The, it's the young and the young, so it's kind of creative interaction between you know you have patients, you touch them, they talk about their skin problem, then you come back home and you say, hang on this. My friend or my customer, she has that kind of problem and it comes on and on again. Can you look at what kind of ingredient formulation could help? And, and this is how the, you know, when it's a small family business, because I know everybody is saying that, but they literally started in their kitchen, because you know cosmetic is very close to cooking. So, uh, uh, but it was like permanent interactive process. And even after a day of work, when you come back home, you are still working, creating. And, and sometimes they were cooking, you know, the new recipe for the new product. So this is how it started.
0: Yeah. You know, when I when I think of BR, um, we, we talk about this a lot, that BR has a very distinct philosophy. It's very different. Um, um, as you've said, it, it's kind of holistic and um separate separate from some other lines where they focus on the ingredients that are in the products with br it it, it, it's almost you're not almost not even sure what the ingredients are there's a system there's a kind of a a a way of treating patients without focusing on the specific ingredients and there seems to be a magic there though um, because patients love it to be quite honest and Uh, I wonder if that's part of the culture of how it began, and maybe a little bit of the philosophy of how they started. And could you maybe speak a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, again, it's a very simple, it's very sophisticated now, but it's a simple concept. It all starts with the skin uh, and the ingredients are are coming at the second stage. So the methodology they created Uh, was first the diagnosis, very important. Like when you go to a doctor, you don't go because you want this or that medicine. You go to a doctor because he has a great reputation in uh, in doing a great diagnosis. Okay, so that's step one. And they always were very obsessed with making the right diagnosis and teaching the therapist to do the right diagnosis. Once this is done, then uh, they treated the skin in a kind of two major step, And as Dr. Alouche is saying, the the skin is like a house. You have to take care of the roof before you invest inside the house. It's the same for the skin. So they were again obsessed with treating the epidermis first, balancing the epidermis, and this is how they created, Alouche created the famous P50, to clean the roof, but not too much, so that there is no hole in the roof. And then they developed a second stage, which is the The treatment stage which is more profound but only once the epidermis which is the outside layer of the skin that is protecting you from the outside aggression is correctly balanced uh, made stronger so that they can move to uh, inside the house Um, and, and that's as simple as that now once this is done and it's the same methodology for now 45 years what they did and what we continue to do It's to create innovation that are new weapons to make the personalization even stronger and better. But that's all. And of course, on the diagnosis, we have now new tools. We even do DNA testing. So, So the science is helping a lot. But the principles, the methodology is the same. Diagnosis, making the roof stronger, and then investing inside the house. Now, what they, what they observed, and it's still true today, is that skin is extremely complex. Okay, so uh, unfortunately, everybody is different um, and everybody has a skin evolution that is different. And we now know that the, the heritage, the DNA, is responsible for at least half of your skin condition. Um, so they, they understood that complexity now. They wanted, they had the dream of treating every skin instant, every skin problem, of course, because they were starting as a small company, they couldn't do everything. Um, What they understood is that exfoliation is very, very important because if the exfoliation is too strong, it's very bad. And if you don't exfoliate properly, then uh, you take the risk that the skin renewal, you know that the skin is the only living organ, which is renewing itself every 26 days. So you have to get rid of the dead cells so that the newborn cells can can flourish and and make a healthy skin. So they knew that exfoliation was key. And this is probably why uh, one of the first products they created was the P50. Uh, And that was a revolution at that time because it was not extremely aggressive exfoliation, it was daily exfoliation, which didn't exist at that time. Uh, and that was, that was probably the start of the, the reputation and the success of the, of the methodology and the, and the company. <laughs> so the, the other area where they really started early was acne and uh, sebo regulation. And Yvon invented a product that still exists, which is very bizarre because it has a very strange smell, a very sticky texture. So it wouldn't pass any consumer test ever. And it's the Masque Vivant, uh, which is a living mask, as uh, we call it in English. And it's a great product, again, for, for, for cerebral regulation and acne skin. So they were very obsessed with acne too. Wow.
0: Yeah, the, the P50 is certainly, I think that's probably your, your cult classic, as we'd say. Thank you. Would, would you agree Thank you. with that?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's the, the, the it's our bestseller. It's the it's a very unique product because it's exfoliating, it's uh, sebo-regulating, it's pH balancing, it's kind of multi benefit. So it doesn't really exist in the market at that time yeah. now. Yeah, well, why um, do you think
0: why do you think copied. it hasn't been copied? It's so it, successful.
1: It, 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 to be honest, it is being copied now. Yeah, but, uh, uh, because they. They, people, are, I mean, other brands, they do understand the importance for healthy skin of that kind of daily exfoliation. Uh, so that's the ransom for success, I guess. Uh, but, which, but yes, it's our most uh, well-known product.
0: Yeah, by far, it's the most well-known product, I think.
1: But we are, we are, we are very proud to have a lot of products which are not that well-known but which are solving specific issues for even very few people. This is where we are very proud of. For instance, Rosacea uh, is, is a big issue. Uh, so there are things which not many people have, or problems which not many people have. So yes, the P50 is, uh, is well known, but our obsession is to find solutions for everybody, hopefully.
0: So uh, Pierre-Louis, how did you come into the company? Let's. Take this back to uh,
1: you. Again, it's a family and friend story, as always with family businesses. Uh, so, unfortunately, the, the founder passed away very suddenly. He had a, a heart attack, so, passed away when he was quite young, actually, he was uh, 62. And then the, 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 the founding family wanted to, to partner with people they could trust because uh, um, they wanted to move forward, of course. Um, Doctor Alouche is a very creative guy, but he was not so obsessed with, you know, developing the business or the brand. He was more into the creation of product and procedures. And um, and um, my my wife was the best friend since they were 11 years old of of my partner today. So uh, and their family knew the Alouche family. So we kind of came together. Uh, in a kind of natural way, I was in the cosmetic industry for more than 20 years. Uh, we were friends, and we knew the family, and this is how we we had the opportunity to uh, to become the new uh, I mean partners of the company and the new CEOs as well. Yeah, yeah I worked uh, for Unilever uh, in the cosmetic part, not. The, for many years in Europe, in Asia, I started Unilever in Vietnam uh, as well. Uh, then I looked after hair care for, for Unilever in Europe for several years. And then I um, moved to Yves Rocher uh, and I was head of, of marketing and communication and then uh, uh, CEO of the, of, the brand, of the Yves Rocher brand. And this is where my friend uh, Rupert came to me and said, you know Biologique Recherche? To be honest, at that time I didn't know the brand so well, and then I looked into it and I told him, "Look, it's a, it's a gem. We have to go for it. It's a, brand has, is is just fantastic." And it was much smaller at that time, but we really believed in the vision of the founders and uh, and as you said, the kind of strange animal, you know, so different from what you can see in the market and. And so we, we started the, the business. Uh, after the death of the founder, we had, I mean, two years were more difficult for the company because uh, there were no real leadership. And then uh, with, uh, with the son, uh, Dr. Alouche, we really, reboosted the company and, and it has developed tremendously uh, in the last uh, 12 years. So we are happy people. So what do you and, think- And lucky people
0: yeah so what what did you bring to the company so did did you bring a different philosophy or did you aim to grow the company when you came in or what was different that you brought in
1: i think the, the only thing we did well is uh take enough time to understand the dna of the brand okay because there are many occasions where you see brands which are mismanaged because people come with their own ideas and they don't take the time to dig into what makes a brand successful. So we took that time uh, we, and then we tried just to boost what was great about the brand, which is product innovation, training, so important, uh, making sure our network is, is trained and we have an excellent network of professionals. Uh, opening countries, because when we started, we were in 30 countries. Uh, Now we are in 85 countries. So in uh, kind of 13 years, uh, it was a lot of international uh, developments. So product and methodology, innovation, uh, geographical deployment, and, and training, 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 training.
0: You mean training of your distributors or training of your staff?
1: Uh, no training the, the professionals, so directly or through our distributors, but we are probably one of the companies which is investing more in, in training the therapist uh, to do better diagnosis, to choose the right products for the right consumer uh, and to, to increase their agility and technique and technique in doing the treatments in the cabin. It, so that's what training is about. It's. It seems
0: like that would be like an obvious thing that any CEO would do, is it not? I mean, what what do you think that, um, what do you think that happened when you came on that was different? Is, is it that they weren't doing that, or they weren't doing enough of that, or is that just not commonly done in the industry?
1: The, the no, the, the the I mean, what was what is different in in our brand is uh, first of all, I think. Um, I think that we invest a lot more in training than other brands, and maybe a little less in like traditional marketing, that's for sure, uh, because we invest in people first. Uh, I think the way we do research is very different. So we are not obsessed with with new ingredients and ingredient stories. We are obsessed with researching the skin, understanding the skin, and then we select the best ingredients. Uh, That's how we work. Um, just to tell you a little story, I mean, you know, P50 is very famous, but uh, Vernix, which is one of our best seller cream, it's, it's a funny story, you know, it's an article we read about, you know, what is the Vernix? The Vernix is a kind of whitish uh, layer that the, has the baby to protect uh, in the mother from the amniotic fluid, Okay. Because to be honest, the baby is having a bath of nine months. So imagine you have a bath of nine months, your skin is going to be damaged. So nature is great because they created that layer to protect the skin of the baby. And, um, and we read one medical article that was saying you have to keep that layer as long as possible after the baby is born. And we said, no, that's interesting. Uh, and we looked at the composition of the vernix. is a fantastic blend of proteins and lipids and we tried to copy that composition and then we tested that composition on the skin and there bingo it was a miracle on the skin so so, you know this is how we create products sometimes just by reading an article from a doctor in a a medical or scientific review or, or newspaper.
0: So so is that, I guess, how you focus on your R&D? Like I said, like I said earlier, I the one thing about BR that stands out to me is there is not a specific focus on ingredients, but more on systems. Right. So is this a corporate philosophy in your R&D?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, we we try. Okay, again, it's not always possible. We try to keep an open mind. So sometimes it's an article that we read, and sometimes you know we we created a product which is which is the fusion of the 3D printing technology and pure hyaluronic acid. Now, by doing that, we were able to create a mask which is made of fibers of pure hyaluronic acid. Acid, So there is no support, it's just a a tissue made of pure hyaluronic acid. So again, it's another way of creating or innovating, it's the fusion of two technologies. And so there are many stories like that, which is just about keep an open mind and don't have always the same approach uh, on innovation. Well, basically we multiplied the turnover by, uh, I think, uh, almost 12 in uh, 13 years. Uh, So now the company in France, we have uh, 130 people in the world working for us, uh, I would say over 500 uh, people. Uh, So the company has has significantly uh, grown in the past uh, 13 years. Uh, Skin are very different from a country to another for ethnical reasons, for food habits. I mean, the food has has a big impact on the skin condition. Uh, the weather as well Uh, but the beauty of the methodology is that we can adapt to any skin condition or at least this is what we hope uh, we can do Uh, so there are differences but because we do personalization in a way methodology is the same diagnosis building a strong epidermis going deeper into the skin Uh, and this is also why we have so many products some products will sell better or we be more adapted to some uh, regions or countries than others. Uh, so our sales are not exactly the, the same, but it's a methodology that, that we can adapt to, to any skin condition. Uh, the big difference between culture and country is the habit of wellness. Some countries are very addicted to treatments and to go to the spa. Some others are kind of lagging a little bit behind. And strangely enough, France is not the most advanced country in uh, the kind of treatment, spa and wellness habits, but it's increasing.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I was going to ask you that. So um, how how has being based out of France affected the development of the company?
1: Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, when we when we took over the company, the brand was almost unknown in France. I promise. I mean, uh, even if everything was developed, created, and manufactured in France, it was almost unknown. It was becoming to become. It was becoming quite famous in the U.S., very famous in Russia, because the founder was one of the first to uh, go to Russia. And to teach the new generation of beautician how to do uh, treatments. Uh, so the brand was very soon a cult uh, brand in Russia. Uh, so we had very strongholds in Spain as well, but not in France. Uh, so uh, in a way, in the past uh, 13 years, we, we rebuilt our, our kind of network in France. Uh, we always had a very nice uh, Actually, the design behind me is the, the private mansion that we have on the Champs Elysees. So we always had the house of the brand on the Champs Elysees, uh, which is by the way uh, 32 Avenue des Champs Elysees, which is the, um, the house of the Comte de Monte Cristo, the Count of Monte Cristo in the book. Really, I mean, when you started, <laughs> it's a, it's a true story. I mean, you can see it in the book. It's in the book, so it's not a true story, but. In the book, when Alexander Dumas wrote the book, he located the Count of Monte Cristo in uh, where we are still today, uh, on the Champs Elysees, and the, the house has not changed; has been protected. Uh, yeah, we're doing treatments in the, in the Count of Monte Cristo house on the Champs.
0: Wow that's a great story. Yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> wow.
1: nice. Yeah. That's
0: nice. So, but, but. Do you think there's a distinct European culture in your company that's different than um, aesthetics companies that are based out of other parts of the world, specifically North America?
1: Uh, I, I, I don't I mean, when you look at the positioning is very different. And the story is very different. And, and it has changed a lot. But when you think about Dermalogica, at the very beginning of Dermalogica, the, the vision of the of the founder, uh, she was very um, close to our values in the sense that she was obsessed with training. She was obsessed with uh, analyzing the skin. Uh, so I think great ideas, you know, they can come from any culture, honestly. I'm not sure it's French or European specific. Then the, the challenge is once you have the great idea, how you protect it, how you develop it. And... Uh, and you know, there are very, stu- very few very bad strategies, uh, but there are a lot of very bad execution. So, uh, so the success is always, yes, of course, a smart strategy, but more importantly, a great team and a great execution. Yeah, that's, that's the, I'm, I was talking about the kind of beginning of Dermalogica, yeah. not, not today. And I think one of our obsession, our, our benchmark, Uh, not in the cosmetic industry, but our benchmark is Hermès, okay? Why? Because Hermès was capable of keeping their values while growing, you know? They are much, much bigger than they were uh, 35 years back, but you still have the feeling that quality is important, exclusivity is important, uh, doing their thing, the thing they are doing their own way uh, is important. so we love this company because they were able to grow, but keeping their, their values. And this is our challenge. This is our obsession. And we want to stay exclusive, of course. And this is why our story, and you are right, is today very different from uh, Dharma logica. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, thinking about the, the, the founder, initial idea and, and spirit. I mean, that that's a really
0: great point. Like exclusivity is a distinct feature of what you've done corporately is that correct is that a yeah, correct option. assumption yeah
1: yeah
0: it's almost it almost goes against the trend in aesthetics a lot of companies tend to flood the market you see companies that are now in um, drug stores in, in canada it's shoppers drug mart in the states it's walmart it's sephora Uh, as many clinics as possible. That seems to be a distinct strategy for a lot of companies. And and you've almost done the opposite, which is maintain exclusivity. And I I almost wonder if it's is that going to be to your detriment not having that exposure or or is the value of keeping that exclusivity as part of your brand more important?
1: It's part of our DNA. I mean, it's a family business, so we are not listed. We don't have any financial pressure of any kind, and, and we are more obsessed with building a legend than uh, building big numbers, okay? The other thing is we are a people business. We don't want to go into pure retail, we want to stay a professional brand, and when you want to stay a professional brand, you work with people first. You know, You work with therapists, you have to train them, you have to know them, so by essence, and, and we select them, okay? We, we don't want to, they're not good. And you are looking at, we are looking for therapies that have, as we say, a brain and hands, and, and we want good people, the best people. So it takes time. There are not so many around. So by essence, our, our, you know, our network is going to be very controlled and, uh, and we will never be everywhere because this is not our DNA. This is not the way we do business. And and yes, you are right, we could be much bigger, but uh, we prefer reputation over size. What what probably makes us um, both different and and probably, uh, uh, I mean, our customers loyal is is the customer experience. And as long as, and we are very lucky, you know, because there are not many businesses or brands where the customer will stay over an hour in the customer experience it's amazing i mean when you think about it and and this is where we are lucky and we want to keep that and we want to stay with that and that's the customer experience is yes you are right it's probably the most important part of, of what we are doing
0: yeah it's interesting when i was when i was thinking about this um, and even in talking to you a theme that comes across consistently is that um, you, you tend to go against the trends that a lot of other companies are going towards <laughs> uh, and I don't know if that's just your you know your personality or the personality of the company but um, you're not necessarily swayed by the usual market forces that a lot of companies tend to be uh, focused on
1: no, no it's true it's uh, I mean that was already the case for the founder I mean he didn't want any perfume uh, because he thought it was completely useless for the quality of the skin and so our products are smelling what they smell, which is the active ingredients. So sometimes it's a little bit bizarre. Our product names, uh, most of them, you don't remember them because they are so like complicated or whatever. Um, So, and, and we do very little market research, okay. We do a lot of research on skin, a lot of research on ingredients. Uh, but we are not obsessed with trends. We are obsessed with the skin. We listen a lot to our own customers because we know them. We meet with them a lot, and this is probably how we stay a little bit different.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, and and I mean, maybe talk a little bit about branding as well, Pierre Louis. Um, yes, uh, I I think branding has been a, kind of a topic that uh, anybody in business. It tends to think a lot about, and we tend to read a lot about it. It's gotten a lot, a lot of press, and it seems to be the one of the major focuses for any company as it develops is focusing on its branding. It almost, I, I sometimes jokingly when I read about it, I say it's like a drinking word. How many times you hear people talk about a brand and branding and brand? But for for you guys, it's it's a little bit different. It it it's it's not an external thing. It, it seems like this is part of your corporate DNA.
1: Yeah, but, but I mean, branding is a fascinating topic. You can talk about it for hours. But but a brand is is very. Really, I mean, branding was invented by Lord Lever. Uh, I mean, not only him, but at a time where everybody was selling soaps, uh, they wanted to stamp, you know, to stamp a, a brand on the soaps to to. Tell people this soap is not a soap, you know, it's a liver soap, so it's a different quality, etc. So, branding is just a signal that something is different. Now, what makes a brand long term successful is what are the proof that you are different, okay? And this is what you have to work on, and it's just the good work that you do every day in quality, in innovation, in customer relationship, in trust, of course that makes your brand one day uh, more different, more successful than another one. So everything is branded now. Uh, What is the big difference is what you put behind uh, your brands. And more importantly, what is uh, kind of short term fashion of the day of the week of the months of the year, and what are the deep roots of the brand and how you make those roots uh, visible attractive interesting for the customers and again Hermès is is a great brand because they they have roots and they are capable of projecting themselves in the future and that's the challenge and you have a lot of brands now which are very successful uh all the digital native brands you know they they start from zero they become absolutely huge now how long will that last that's that's the question yeah, definition of success is uh, is is really uh, fame and, and long term. You know, uh, if, if the success is, is short term, then you tend to forget about it. If the success has been there for a long time and will be there for a long time, then you can start talking about history. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it,
0: it, it's it's so interesting because branding is almost its own entity. And, and and as you say, the branding should be reflective of your company's values. But uh, okay. That's it, very it seems like it's it's developed to the point where people's brand is is a unique um, focus that they have separate from what their company stands for. And, and, and a lot of companies, I think, have a a little bit of a shallow brand. They, they don't really that the brand isn't really reflective of what they're doing, but seems to be an entity that they're putting forward as to what they want people to perceive them to be.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's true. But uh, the, the digital explosion has favored that to, to be honest, you know, the, the short term exposure, the fact that everybody is talking about everything all the time. Uh, so that's the challenge and, and, uh, and that's, that's, that's fine, that's great. But, uh, uh, and, and this is where long-term values, at one stage, this is my personal uh, perception and, and belief, will really matter most than more, than, sorry than just the short-term noise, because there are so much noise everywhere about everything that at one stage you need to have a vision. And If you don't have a vision and values, then okay, you will move fast, but you might not run uh, a long time.
0: Well, I mean, can you expand on that? Because by digital, you mean social media, right?
1: Yeah, social media, sorry. So social Social media media
0: has really exploded the aesthetics world. It's really exploded on the scene and really carried the aesthetics world forward. Do you think that this is the social media trends are going to change the aesthetics world in an ongoing basis? Or do you think that these are trends that will kind of go by and something else will come up?
1: No, 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 I'm just, I'm just saying that, I mean, social media uh, will stay uh, forever. uh, So uh, that's for sure. And and we continue to expand and, and develop. What I'm saying is that when you think about branding, social media are becoming extremely important, but you have to use them based on your values, just not based on the simple exposure of, of whatever uh, can be exposed. Okay, uh, And in our case, we use them a lot for training, for teaching, for coaching. Uh, but it's true that you really need to have a direction. You need to have a... A focus and a direction; otherwise, you just get lost. And even customers, they get lost. You know, they switch from one to another recommendation, influencer, etc. It, it, it can be. We we are uh, with confinement and COVID. Of course, we we launched a new program which is called uh, Skin Mentor Tips. And uh, and basically, what we try to do is to teach about the skin, and we almost don't even talk about our products. So that was created for our community of uh, customers, okay? And it's made by our head therapist, by our trainers, some doctors, okay? So the the concept is just having small lectures or small teaching or coaching on topics like uh, it can be exfoliation, it can be pollution, it can be, uh, what should you do with your skin during COVID? So any topic that are related to the skin conditions, skin instance, Uh, but we don't always talk specifically about our products. The the purpose is just to share the knowledge uh, and and it's not advertising, it's not selling. We don't sell the products afterwards at all. We just uh, share our knowledge. it's a different yeah
0: focusing on all the external factors that affect skin it i mean it's funny that as a skin company you talk about the 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 non-topical factors on skin health but but it's true those are major influences right
1: nutrition has a huge influence it's extremely complex to be honest um but but yes it has a huge a huge influence on the on the skin condition uh but, but to, to really understand what, it, I mean, we, we are now, there are, there are an area of research which is uh, fantastic, which is, again, personalization on nutrition, because we know there are good and bad food, okay? But the fact is, we don't react the same way. And some people will react very badly to supposedly good food, and, and which is unfair. Some people will react very well and transform very well uh, bad food. Okay, uh, so so the, the future in research is really about, like for skin, uh, the personalization, the understanding of how you transform ingredients uh, in your own body uh, in a different way, and uh, this is all the research on the on the microbiome, which is fascinating. Very
0: fascinating! Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting with social media. I think, it, I think it's really increased the education of the average consumer that's looking at skincare ingredients. Um, but again, I go back to this thing where um, it, it seems like people are really focused on specific ingredients. And so how do you as a company engage that with social media and, and customer education without having such a distinct focus on ingredients?
1: Um, well, first of all, I mean, and that's, that's very normal. we try to be as transparent as possible in the sense that whenever people ask questions about what ingredients do we have in our products, are they good or bad? What is the benefits? uh, We try to answer as transparently as possible and uh, as quickly as possible. So we don't use ingredients to advertise or to sell our products because we are selling benefits. First, uh, before ingredients, but we try to be very transparent because people now want to know what is in the product, what is good or bad, and there is a lot of education that we also need to do because there is a, sometimes a little bit of confusion. The best example is food allergies. Okay, uh, if people are allergic to some uh, food. Uh, they think that if the ingredient is in the cosmetic product, it will uh, it will damage their skin or even their body, which is not true, because it will not penetrate. So again, on ingredients, there is a lot of education to be to be done, and um, and the other thing is the, the 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 poison is is made by the dose. Okay, uh, so again, some people think that some ingredients are not good. But it really depends. If it's like 0.01 percent, it can be very good for the skin. And they are right. If it's five or ten percent, it's very bad. So uh, that's a challenging uh, issue because people don't always have the time or the, or the, you know, the interest to, to listen sometimes to uh, almost chemical lessons. So uh, we have to keep it simple but transparent. Well, it's it's uh, it's great. It's uh, you know, it's a family business. Uh, it's a team of passionate people, so uh, they are successful, so they have the, uh, the feeling of building something unique. Uh, uh, so to be honest, it's great. I mean, of course, we are, we are like everybody suffering from COVID because it's a relationship company. So we love to meet, we love to hug, we love to you know, exchange. And this is becoming a little bit virtual for the past, uh, let's say, uh, almost a year now. Uh, so that's 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 the difficult part, but it's a real. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know a team of passionate people in eighty five countries. Every time we gather together, it's uh, it's great. It's great. It's uh, no. I mean, we are we are lucky. We are lucky people.
0: Wow. Uh, Pierre, what do you what do you see as the global trends coming up? So if you look, uh, you're in eighty five countries. Uh, Clearly, different regions of the world have different um, different parts that are growing faster than others. But what are you identifying as the global trends in the aesthetic skincare industry?
1: There, there, there is one trend which we benefit from, obviously, which is personalization. I mean, I think that uh, more and more people are looking for solutions that are suiting their needs. Um, they want to be taken care of as individuals. Uh, This is why personalization has developed. Uh, Social network has helped personalization as well. That's for sure. But culturally, uh, I mean, personalization is a huge trend that will only uh, develop and increase, not only in beauty in every aspect of the the market. Um, I think that transparency is is becoming very, very important. Uh, Social responsibility. I mean, everybody's talking about it, but I think now consumers, we want proofs, uh, not only, uh, you know, greenwashing, uh, marketing. Uh, so that's again, a, a big, big trend. And I think that's, uh, that's the positive side research discoveries, medical discoveries, uh, and talking about beauty on skin. Uh, Technology on diagnosis. I mean, uh, it's going to be very exciting in the next years. I mean, what what about research on DNA? It's it's fascinating. Yeah.
0: What about ethnicity? Can you talk a little bit about that? So about what about the role of ethnicity in skincare? So, is there much going into the research of of how different skin types and ethnicities respond to various skin products?
1: Um, yes, I mean by by nature, but that's not new. I mean, we we we. I mean, the, the industry knows the the differences between the skin. Uh, I mean, the skin structure is exactly the the same, uh, but the 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 importance of the layers and the the functioning uh, can be slightly different. So that's not new news, and that's known by the industry for a long time, and the industry has adapted that uh, since a long time, take for instance, Asian skin, uh, they tend to have a better uh, seborrheic production, okay, which is a problem for them because aesthetically, they don't like to have the t-zone and greasy skin, but the good news is that they have less wrinkles because it's a kind of natural moisturizer, okay. So, uh, so, there are differences, of course, and, and we know them, and we, we adapt our, our treatment and offering like other brands do. Uh, so, that's not a major, for me, it's not going to be a major change. It's just incremental research, innovation, uh, but this is not, I mean, we are not discovering the differences between the uh, ethnical skins. Uh, that's not news. And even, even if you, again, take Asian skin, uh, to stay with Asian skin, depending on where you live, you know, in a city, in the countryside, in the north of China, in the south of China, even with the same kind of ethnic origin, uh, your skin condition will be extremely different, your food habits, your level of stress. So again, it's, uh, yeah, you are right. Personalization, uh, is, is a great tool to adapt, uh, on the ground, Not in a generic way.
0: Yeah. But do, do you find, do you find that your growth opportunities in Asia are very distinct than North America or even Europe? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, when you look at the, the beauty industry today, most of the growth is fueled by China, okay? Uh, that's, that's, that's a fact. I mean, look at all the performance of the, of the cosmetic beauty brands. Uh, most of it is coming from China. So yes, there is today a huge focus in Asia, generally speaking, but more specifically on China. That's for sure. Not saying that there are not growth opportunities in other parts of the world, but China is the, is the big focus these days.
0: What about men? You want to talk a little bit about men?
1: <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> we, we have a lot of men uh, as customers. Um, we, we don't treat them. I mean, their skin is different, but again, we don't have a specific range for men. We just look at them at, at their skin instant uh, as a kind of different skin. And we use whatever products are right for what we see. Uh, on their skin uh, and we have uh, like you know a big chunk of our, of our customers are men, uh, it depends on the countries but it can be up to even 30% in some countries uh, what helps also is that our, our brand is not specifically gender driven you know it's like neutral, it's white it has no perfume It's uh, so we treat them like I mean, women, we just see their skin as a different skin. And within men, they are very different skin condition as well. Uh, so we are, we are quite successful with men. W- what's the only thing is uh, uh, the level of uh, sophistication of the routine they can support in some culture or some countries is not as high as with women. So that's the only thing you have to be a little caref- careful about.
0: Yeah. And... and- it's funny because even people in the industry—we had, had a guest last week—jokingly um, asked him what his uh, skincare regimen was, and he jokingly, I think half-jokingly, answered uh, soap and water. <laughs> That's probably common in a lot of men.
1: <laughs> but but what is interesting, and, and again, I don't want to generalize because it's uh, it's not the the purpose, but. They, they, they tend, at least in France, they tend to really follow the advice. Uh, and I mean, once they've decided, and they are, they are quite loyal customers. If you educate them properly, they are, they are very loyal customers as well. Not saying that the women are not loyal, but, but they are. They, yeah, they are. They are good customers. Right. And the, the other disadvantage of of those uh, men-driven uh, or men created for men range is that because the the size of the business is smaller, the range and the options are are shorter. And and to be honest, we we know men's skin. I mean, they can be as complex and complicated to treat as as women's skin. So they should be offered in a way as many weapons as as women. And, And they don't have that because the size of the business is too small. So it's another reason for us not developing a specific uh, men range of products.
0: Yeah. So on that point, what's your favorite skincare product?
1: Uh, you mean the, the one I'm using regularly? Yeah, yeah. I'm, use, I'm, I'm using p50, of course, because that's uh, much uh, needed. When I was traveling a lot, which is not the case anymore. I'm a huge fan of uh, Biosensible uh, range. So it's, it's good because it's uh, good on hydration and good for sensitive skin. And when you travel a lot, uh, you tend to uh, kind of have a more sensitive skin, uh, probably due to jet lag, to, uh, to, to food, etc. cetera. Uh, you don't see that, but have kind of dark circles. So uh, I'm using a Serum Oligo Protein Marine on dark circles. Um, so uh, that's my kind of uh, favorite products. And, and I love Vernix. Vernix is uh, just amazing. I mean, I use it in mask because you can use it in cream or in mask. So I tend to use it more in, in mask. But when I feel really tired and I need to regenerate my, my skin, I put a little bit of uh, Vernix on, on my face and that's great.
0: Um, where do you see the company going over the next couple of years?
1: Well, look, even during COVID, we are strong double-digit growth. So um, I hope that COVID will not last forever. I'm sure it won't. Uh, So our challenge is to keep the spirit, to keep the value, uh, and to manage our growth in a kind of qualitative way. Uh, And the challenge is people. is finding the right people everywhere, you know, good people. uh, In our team in Paris, uh, keeping them, motivating them, uh, and in our network as well so um, as long as we can keep our reputation uh, we're happy to grow but the challenge is to grow without uh, losing our quality and focus that's the challenge
0: okay we've got a couple um hot take type questions to finish this off yeah. here if that's okay so how do you stay balanced in life
1: Ah, good question. Um, I I have a lot, I'm I'm not an expert in anything, but I have a lot of of hobbies, okay? Uh, So uh, every time I can, not escape, but at least balance my very busy business life with my hobbies, I'm happy. And because I have many, I I can always pick up one that uh, I can do so it goes from gardening, to sailing, to uh, skiing, to uh, art collection and auction. Uh, So that's how I balance my my life and of course uh, uh, spend time with anybody with my family. My typical morning routine, uh, my god, it's uh, my, my wake up call has to ring many times before I really wake up. <laughs> these, I mean, you know, with COVID these days are very busy days because uh, you have a lot of things to reorganize and everything. So I, I wake up at, at seven, uh, usually. Uh, when I travel, it, it depends, I can I can wake up even, even earlier. Um, then what I love doing is reading the newspapers, the newspapers of the day. So that's why I try to save some time. I'm a, a Very uh, avid uh, newspaper reader, so I try to read at least one, if not two, and that takes uh, at least half an hour every morning. Mm. Who
0: who's been your biggest influence in this industry?
1: Ah, that's a good question. Um, I think Yves Rocher. Uh, I'm not sure you know the brand, uh, Yves Rocher brand, but it's a very it's the biggest cosmetic brand in France. Uh, it's not luxury, but it's, uh, and it was created by a guy called Yves Rocher. And I worked directly with him. He has passed away now. And he was like an amazing entrepreneur and a, and a genius in his kind. And he really democratized the beauty after the Second World War. And he has built a business of over two, two billion euro, uh, from really zero. And uh, yes, he was quite, quite a man. Quite a man. Entrepreneur. Wow. Um, And and yes, there is another one that I never met. And I can tell you, I went to her exhibition in Paris. I read, I read uh, life is Elena Rubinstein. Oh my God. She invented everything, everything. If you read her story, what she invented and created, to be honest, She invented everything about modern beauty. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good choice. So, um, last question for you. So there's a clearly a tumultuous time in the world. What is your, what is the issue that you feel is most dear to your heart in the world today?
1: It's, uh, it's, it's balancing out the tensions. Because, uh, you know, I mean, look at the US today, but even in Europe, in France, etc., you know, we, we don't realize, but we went through a long time of, in a way, peace. You know, there are a lot of wars and, um, and difficulties everywhere, but I mean, big, big, big uh, problems and issues. We were protected a lot. Uh, but today you see a lot of tensions Uh, between the south and the north within countries as well Uh, that's a challenge that's a challenge and it's becoming a little bit more worrying so finding ways to balance out those tension is uh, is the key for our future happiness i think but it's personal Hmm. i'm becoming too serious now (laughs) no
0: it's it's these are important topics to to talk about for sure there is a lot of tension in the world Um, And you personally, what do you have going on in your personal life in the next six to 12 months?
1: Uh, We are managing a business, you know, so uh, when you manage a business, you spend a lot of your time and mental time in thinking about how could I be better? How could my team uh, uh, feel and be better? How can I prevent my company from threats? Because every company has threats. How can i grasp opportunities so it's not very original but when you had the business then uh, you think about your business all the time short term mid-term long term but i mean it's a nice business so uh, i enjoy it i enjoy it
0: wow well, that's great i'm sure your your company feels good hearing that and so do all your your clients who are so strongly connected to you
1: <laughs> thank you so much
0: well thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today it was a pleasure and uh it was it was a great chat.
1: Great, thank you so much and bye bye from France. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.